Amen. Well, we are, we are here, and I tell you what, this is, this is different. Um, it's one thing to know that you're being recorded. You know, it's one thing to know that it's going up online. It's another thing altogether to be talking to a camera. <laughs> it, it, it truly is. So please bear with me for, for this message. Because it's it's going to be different, obviously, in many ways. Um, I'm 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 pinned down because I'm trying to keep myself away from the border uh, of what we have here with the with the screen. Actually, it's up here in this corner, um, and 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 we're I'm I'm pinned down with the pews because I I can't be too far away because then the camera that we have currently is not going to see me. And so there's a lot here for this. So just a uh, Bear with us, please. Today we'll be looking at John chapter 6, 26 through 40. And in this passage, this is, this is taking us on the Lenten journey to, to just fully appreciate who Christ was and the fact that he died for us. This is something big. Christ died for us, for our sins. And this is what we come to realize throughout this Lenten journey. And we, we sacrifice so much so that we can understand and appreciate his sacrifice for us. Now, it's at this point in Jesus' ministry that he has to address the elephant in the room. He has to call the people out a bit. And so let us look and see. Because here he has people asking for bread and he offers them something so much better. If you want, you're probably snuggly in your pajamas, on the couch with a blanket. But if you want, stand with me as we read John chapter 6, 26 through 40. I will not have it up on the screen. so It says... Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? He answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we might see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave them the bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am, a, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
but I have said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose nothing at all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. And together we say, thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we connect today through your scripture, let us first praise you that even though we are separated by miles, we can come together through your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, abounding across this place, not hindered by distance, not hindered by viruses, can come and work within each home that is listening to this message today. Speak to us, Father, about this bread of life. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Bread. <laughs> I really wanted to have church in person today. Let me, let me get a little bit closer here. Bread. I was going to walk around with this loaf of bread, letting you all smell it. Oh, and see it. Oh, and, and had we not had this weird virus scare, I would rip off pieces and give it to someone so that they can taste it because it's bread. It's bread that I made. It's delicious bread. Sadly, I can't. So sadly, you won't be able to see this uh, in person. You won't be able to smell the sweet smell of sourdough. You won't be able to to feel the nice crumb, you, you will miss it all. But I bet your mind is already wandering to bread. And I bet your mouth is getting a little watery, saying, mm, oh yes, because this isn't any normal bread. This isn't bread you buy in the, the store. No, no, this is bread that I grind by hand. I take the wheat and I grind it into flour. And then I take the flour and I mix it with sourdough that I've kept alive for years. And I let it sit and rise and ferment and, and become this delicious piece of bread. Now I know that over the years it has been fun to hate on bread. People think it's funny to, uh, to knock certain foods. I tell you what, that piece of bread, my goodness, is the best piece of bread you could ever eat. I dare anyone to come up with a better substitute for a nice thick slice of that bread toasted with some butter and some honey smeared on it. Apart from God, I don't think it's even possible to have something better than that. Now, if you have celiac disease, my sympathies, because you are missing out. Although science is trying to prove that because of the way sourdough culture works, instead of instant yeast, you could actually eat that bread if it is fermented long enough because of what it does to the gluten and all that stuff. But we'll put that aside. 
The point is, you're thinking about it. Maybe your stomach has begun to grumble a bit and say, mmm, I need some food because it's bread. And this is the whole point. We need to eat. We've ate yesterday. Some of us eat two meals a day. Some of us eat three meals a day. If you have a teenager in your house, you probably have eight or nine meals that they eat. But we eat. But the strange thing about eating is that we are never satisfied. We never come to a point where we say, okay, I don't need any more. I eat so much that now three days from now, I still don't need to eat. That's not what happens. Every day we still have to eat. That's life. That's what we have to live with. And so we come to this season of Lent. And this is where it stands in such stark contrast to how our normal lives are. Because it, it challenges our idea of physical desire. During the season of Lent, we give up these things that give us pleasure so that we can have this longing, so that we can have this understanding that there's a need for more. And we find that need in God. And we allow ourselves to just surrender a bit more of what we would love to have for something we need to have. And it's these hunger pains that begin to grow inside of us because now we are four weeks into Lent. We're over the hump. We're almost there, but we're not quite. And this is the time where giving up of our things begin to haunt us. You give up a certain food and you begin to have dreams about it. I gave up playing video games for the season of Lent. What horrible time to have a quarantine where you're stuck home all week long and you're still saying, no, no, I'm not going to play video games. I'm not going to do it because I gave it up for Lent. That hunger begins to grow even more. It becomes even more challenging. And, and now you begin to have this idea of saying, oh, I wish there was more. I wish I had more. And, and this is where we then come to Christ. Because he's trying to fill this hunger pain. He's trying to fill it with something even greater. The crowds, when they came to Christ... They were looking for this bread like I made. They're looking for that, that physical satisfaction, that momentary satisfaction. And he's coming along and saying, let me give you the bread of life so that you can be filled to your body fully satisfied. And he, they're saying, what? We just want some more bread. And so this is where we get to see this, this beautiful interaction. This, this beautiful time of Jesus working with this crowd. We have three back and forth sections between them. And I love having this dialogue because it gives us something to, to appreciate about Jesus. The first and foremost is, is found in verses 28 and 29 now, if you had not considered that Jesus was a bold speaker in his day, then you probably have never read this 
section. Before you look at verses 28 and 29, look at what he says in 26. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. You're coming after me because you want some more bread. You're coming after me because you want me to feed you some more. This is happening after he fed the 5,000. And these people, they're not looking for Christ because they believe in him as the Messiah. They're coming to Christ because they're saying, hey, free buffet. And he's like, stop it. Don't follow me just because of that. That's not going to do you any good. That's not worth your time. Invest in something more. He's being very harsh. This is the point where in our day and age, we would insert the O'Burn graphic, the, the gif of the people going, ooh, ah, because that's what's happening is he burned them. He called them out and he said, you just want me to feed you some more. You're not coming after me because you appreciate my teachings. And so he tells them, instead, search for that which does good. And they say to him, this is the first question. What must we do to perform these works of God? Now, there are certain times in Jesus' ministry that I imagine him slapping his forehead saying, what are you thinking? This is one of those times. What must we do to perform the works of God? They ask him, and he just goes, ah, guys, what, what, how are you, how did you even get to that? And so Jesus tells them the first hard truth about this bread of life, which is to stop trying to earn it and believe. Stop trying to earn this bread of life and just believe in it. That's all I want. Now, what makes this so difficult is the fact that it's not difficult. You heard me right. The, the fact that it's so difficult is, is because we don't have to work for it. Now, what a relief. Think about this. What a relief it is that we don't actually have to work for this bread of life. We don't have to work for these things of God. That's good. Because, you see, work, work naturally disqualifies certain people. Work requires skill. Work requires talent. Work requires time. Work requires things that not everyone can always do. I'm not a brain surgeon. I can't do that job. And so it excludes you. And so for those who cannot measure up, they lose out. I was talking with Tom the other day, and, and he said how much he does not like to do drywall. He refuses to do drywall. If he can do anything else other than drywall, he will do it. He can make wonderful, beautiful works of art, the, the, the pulpit. He, he can do those things with wood. But you ask him to do something with drywall, and nope. Now, if for Tom, the entire work of God's salvation was hinging upon him doing some work with drywall, he would lose out because he can't do it. That's the problem when we work for something. 
And instead, what Christ is doing is he is opening it up and he says, you don't have to work anymore. You just have to believe. Everyone can believe. Everyone has the ability to believe. And so this opens up the kingdom of God in such a beautiful way where now people are no longer excluded because they don't have the right kind of sacrifice, because they weren't born into the right kind of family, because they don't follow a certain set of laws. No longer are they excluded because they can't follow those things. They believe. And that's it. They have the bread of life. And that's what I, I truly appreciate so much about this because it opens it up for us as, as a people to, to bring more people in to this kingdom of God. And yet somehow the church has done it yet again where we make it difficult. We make it hard for people. We say you have to do this, you have to do that. The global church has still built up this idea of in order to be a Christian, you must do this. And anything short of believe in Christ as your sacrifice, though he died and was raised again so that you might be forgiven of your sins, anything short of that, and you, you add more work for people to do. And we, we do this to people, and it, and it just destroys their ability to join us in worship, to join us with this bread of life. All these rules and guidelines on, and how you're supposed to live if you want to be a good Christian. We, we have these things, and we, we developed them for a good reason, but then they just do worse. Believe in the Son of God, and we shall have the bread of life. That's it. But that wasn't enough for the crowds. And it usually isn't enough for us either. And so we have the second back and forth conversation. The crowds come back to Jesus and they say, Okay, we want to believe. Prove it to us. Give us evidence to believe. Wait, stop right there. One second. You're saying we're going to believe, but you have to prove it. Jesus, again, what? Because they say, hey, Jesus, Moses gave us bread from heaven. He gave us manna. So what are you going to give us? What are you going to give us to prove that you are even greater than Moses because he gave us bread from heaven? And Jesus is saying, are you kidding me right now? How, how did you get to this point? You think Moses gave you this bread? This bread came from God. It is a heavenly thing that came down from your father in heaven, not from Moses. Are you kidding me? And all that's contingent upon whether or not I give something to you is whether or not you believe it? No. Jesus says, that's not how it works. Instead, you need to stop looking for proof and accept. Stop looking for the evidence and accept what God has told you. Period. 
So often when we are asked to believe, we look for evidence to help support those feelings. Believe in God. And then we say, okay, well then, how do I know that he's working in my life? How do I know that I am saved? How, how do I know that I'm forgiven? And, and we have these things and then we say, okay, well, well you, should, you should have this, this feeling inside you. You should have this evidence. There should be something that changes. And, and, there, and, and, and we add all these proofs that if you don't have them, if God somehow doesn't work that way in your life, then, sorry, you're out of luck. And that's not how he's trying to do it. That's not how he's working. Instead, he's saying, stop looking for this proof and just accept what I have told you. We're not alone, though. Don't feel like we are. Moses, when he's talking to the burning bush, if you read through this, uh, um, if you read through the, the scriptures for this week, which I'm going to be posting more on Facebook because we can't distribute it other ways now um, because of not having a bulletin. But if you read through that, it went through the burning bush activity and Moses is saying, but God, I can't speak well. God, what are they going to, how are they going to believe me? And, and you got to give me signs. And so he gives them signs of the snakes, signs of leprosy. And he does all this, but he needs proof. And then we have Gideon. Oh, Gideon. I'm going to put this fleece down. In the morning, I want it to be wet and I want the ground to be dry. Okay, hey, it's wet and the ground is dry. Okay, God, I believe you. I want the fleece to now be dry, but the ground wet. Prove it, and I'll believe. We have people like Saul and David. Even the first Christians, the disciples, they did this. They hear reports of these people in Antioch coming to have the Holy Spirit inside of them, and, and they, they say, well, we... This, this can't be. They're Gentiles. How, how are they receiving the Holy Spirit? We haven't even gone and done anything with them. And so they send people, get proof. See that they are actually Christians. See that God has actually worked. We need evidence in order to know if this is true. And so then they send down some of the disciples and they see, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. Well, then what's to keep us from baptizing you and bringing you into the church? They needed that proof. And so we do this to our lives. And for some reason, we like to place this idea of proof and evidence over faith and belief. And it's so odd that we do this because we're not born this way. Think about children. Children are the most gullible people you'll ever meet. And I mean that in a good way. But I, 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 it's true. Even today, I could tell Christopher and Elizabeth something and I could say it. And if I said it in a believable tone, they'd believe me. They don't need evidence. They don't need proof. They just would say, oh, really? And then somehow we grow out of that from time to time. I don't know if it's because of bad parents who constantly lie to their children and, and make them jaded. Just kidding. Uh, but it, we, we have that where it happens, where all of a sudden we say, 
I need something to prove it. I can't just believe it anymore. And we move away from that. And what happens is it hinders our relationship with God because all of a sudden we begin to say to God, I will believe you if you do this. I will trust you. I will follow you. I'll do what you say if you prove to me what I need in order to follow you. Why do we do that? Why do we need these proofs and not just accept what God has told us? We are not called to need proof. We are called to simply accept this bread of life. Now, acceptance based on belief has the power to change our lives in so many different ways. Not only does it allow our relationship with God to be open to wherever he's moving, however he's directing us, right now is a perfect example. If God's whole working with the, with the church, if God's whole basis of how he structures the church and how he empowers the church to do things was based off from the evidence of having church in a building, we'd be out of luck. But if we accept the fact that God can work even when there's a global pandemic, when we believe that God can work even when all things are chaotic around us and that his Holy Spirit can reach into multiple homes all across the internet and all across the world, and we just accept that, then, then we can do things like this video and believe that he's actually doing something good. But it takes us wanting to accept that. And then it, when we actually do, it allows us to also accept the fact that there is good within people. And this is something that's very important for us to understand because we, we can't live a life where we believe that people are all bad, that people are all just trying to hurt us and, and, and cause harm to us. We have to believe that people want to be good. We have to believe that they're trying to be good. Because there's no way to do the things that God has called us to do if we don't accept first that people are actually wanting to be good. And that opens us up to pain. That opens us up to the possibility of being hurt. And I understand that. But we have to accept that God is working in people's lives to change their hearts first. Belief based on evidence, it only will take us so far as the proof stands true. As soon as that evidence disappears, as soon as that evidence is proven wrong, our belief crumbles. But belief based on acceptance means that wherever God moves, however God changes, however God begins to work differently, we can just move right along with him because we are just accepting his guidance. The final slap to the forehead happens here. They hear all this and they say, okay, this is good. Sir, give us this bread always. Give it to us. We need it. We desire it. We hunger for it. We, we want it so badly. Can't you see how much we need it? 
And Jesus says, are you kidding me right now? He's been skirting around this this entire time. He's been giving them analogies. He's been giving them an idea of what it is. He hasn't come out right and just said it. But then he does and he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. You're wanting this. Here I am. Take me. And they're like, huh? He says, no matter how much I tell you that I am here, no matter how much I tell you that, that I am the bread of life here to change your life, you won't accept it. The problem is, is that their minds were so focused on what they thought they needed in their lives and what they thought God was supposed to give them that they missed what he was actually doing for them. They were so focused on the physical in their lives that they missed what was happening. So focused on the physical that they couldn't live. And so Jesus is telling us, stop thinking physically and just live. Live in me. And this is hard for us to accept sometimes because we live in a physical world. How many of us, when we got up this morning, took more than two seconds to pick out our clothes? I did. I, I thought, oh, do I want to wear this shirt? Do I want to wear these pants? Or do I want to wear something different? You, you take some time to think about it. We are, we're living in a physical world. Uh, how many of you think about the food that you're going to eat? We, my family, we, we plan out our food in a weekly meal. You know, every dinner is thought up of uh, on Thursday nights before we go shopping on Fridays. We think of, okay, what are we going to have for the next seven days? Because we want to make a list. We want to do all this. And, and, and so it's very easy for us to live in this physical world because so much of what we are constrained to do is within this physical essence. But that's where the danger lies. That's where we get trapped. Because before we know it, we stop praying to God about the things that he has given us. And we start praying for more bread. We start saying, Lord, I need more of that bread. Oh, Lord, I need more of this physical. Oh, Lord, I need more of this physical. Oh, God, I need more of this physical. And we start doing this where we just, we lose sight. We stop living because we become so focused on the physical over where he is working. And that is why we take this time. That is why we have this season of Lent, so that we can stop all the chaos. I am happy that this whole problem, this whole virus quarantine shutdown mess happened during Lent. Because what greater demonstration of God telling the world to stop? What better thing than a global pandemic? Now, I don't think that it's awesome that people are dying. Don't mishear me. It's horrible. It's sad. But the one redeeming factor of it is that we can see how God is saying, please stop focusing on the physical. Turn to the bread of life. 
the season of Lent is where we do that. It's where we strip away all those physical things so that we can focus back on what it means to truly live. To put all those concerns behind us. To let us be able to think on the greater things of life. The bread of life. When we live so focused on the physical things, we are not unlike everyone else in this world. When Christians are so focused on just the physicalness of this life, we, we are acting like everyone else. But when we stop and we surrender the physical so that we can live with this bread of life, that will speak to people in ways that they don't even know how to comprehend. They'll say, why are you doing that? Why are you not doing that? Why have you chosen to do this instead of that? And, and we say, because my hope is not in this. My hope is not in the tangible. It's in the bread of life. So let us stop these things that keep us from the bread of life. Let us not be like the crowd and blindly re reject Jesus for the miracles of Jesus. Did you catch that? Let us not reject Christ and who he is for the miracles that he can perform in our lives because it is Christ that we need, not the miracles. And instead, let us tune our hearts to believe, to accept, and to live. Amy and I have lived a number of hard years in ministry. We've had, on three separate occasions, times where we lived without any income, a, a job that didn't pay, um, you know, just doing ministry but not having any actual income coming in for, for months on end. We've lived where our budget was so tight we had to count every penny. We had to give up minor needs, not, not wants, not desires. We had to give up minor needs so we can make sure we paid for the things that were more important, like having heat and a place to live. There were times where we had to just say, we can't do that. We can't go there. We had times where I couldn't even join my family for times that they were celebrating a, a birthday because we couldn't afford the gas to go up there. But all throughout that time, we tried our best to keep our sights focused on the bread of life. We failed at moments. We had to readjust ourselves. We had to be reminded because there's times when you're looking at the food and you're saying, I don't know how this physical thing is going to work out. And, and we had to stop and adjust ourselves. But when we turned back and we began to look at the bread of life, we began to turn and look at Jesus for who he was and trust in him, it all changed. And it was all okay. It was hard. But it was okay. There's still... No way we can make sense of how we survived other than God. There's no way the finances worked out. There's no way things happened the way that they were supposed to because it just didn't add up. But this is the marvelous thing about when we 
stop. When we stop focusing on all these other things and we just accept the bread of life, we believe and we live within that. And so let us continue to hunger, not for the physical bread, but for this bread of life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. As awkward and weird as it is to only be doing it over the internet, we thank you that we have this opportunity. And I pray that everyone might be blessed through the words that you have spoken today. Teach us to give up the physical, to surrender the physical, to stop trying to look for the evidence and the proof, to stop trying to do the work, stop trying to have the physical things and to just believe and to accept and to live with this bread of life, your son, the one who came and died for our sins so that we might be forgiven. Discern our hearts. You look beneath our outward appearance and see your image in each of us. Banish in us the blindness that prevents us from recognizing truth so we may see the world through your eyes and with the compassion of Jesus Christ who redeems us. Amen. I now send you out into your communities with social distancing in mind to make Christ-like disciples. Go in the grace of God. God bless you.